Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here as always with my crew. I've got uh, I've got I've got Chief Engineer Father Chuck. How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm honored to be the engineer. I don't know the yeah. first thing about engineering, but here I am. <laughs> I would I would have been a chaplain. Yeah, but. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we, we you could do both, I guess. Right? <laughs> um, he fixes, he fixes mechanical <laughs> issues, psychological issues. Uh, and bifocational clergy also is a thing that happens in Starfleet due to budget cuts. <laughs> I, uh, in a society uh, with I, no money, there are budget cuts. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also here with my chief head of security. Matt Matt wears a red shirt. I no head of security is yellow shirt and does not die. Yeah. Uh, no head of security is all, is in original series is going to be red shirt. We're not in going next original series because I don't want to die. Hey, look, I'm head engineer. I'm a red shirt too. <laughs> I right? don't want to die, but you don't go on away missions. You sit on the ship and laugh at us and get drunk. Yes, and get drunk, according and, to the Kelvin timeline. <laughs> and I also want to welcome our reoccurring guest. Rear our who's sort of like he's sort of like our 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 Guinan, Guinan, uh, nice. Father Fun, nice. Patrick hello. Funson. hello, Thank you for joining us, hello, good hello. to see you guys. <laughs> Did I do okay with with the, the designations and stuff? I'm not, I'm not as nerdy about Star Trek as you guys are. I like mine, but what does that make you? Uh, I'm the captain. No, of course captain. you are. Of course, <laughs> of course, Captain Jane. Captain, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, that, not that there's anything wrong with, with women as captains. Yeah, what what's up with that? Right out of the gate, JP. Right out of the gate. Listen, I'm just saying, Trump would be a great president. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and we lost our last listener. Oh, I hung up on accident. <laughs> okay, so Star Trek Beyond came out this weekend, and it is also the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, so we have decided to celebrate its legacy on the Masters of Divinity podcast. All four of us love Star Trek, but I know that Chuck and Matt and, and Father Fun, you guys I, I, you guys are probably bigger Star Trek nerds than I am because even though I like Star Trek, there are, are points of my life, throughout my life that I like Star Trek, I was never really a Trekkie until like maybe a few years ago. But even that, I have a hard time calling myself a Trekkie because I don't know that much and I haven't watched... Everything. I have seen all the movies. And um, I love some of them. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, you guys are the Trekkies in my eyes. And I am but a, 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 uh, an ensign on this uh, perilous planet. Welcome, Wesley so. Crusher. Nice. <laughs> oh, oh, there, and there's my designation. I am the Wesley Crusher. <laughs> I know. He's your, he's your favorite person. Yeah. yeah, Will Wheaton, awesome. Will you guys play sports ball? Mm -hmm. And now um, joining us, Will Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be awesome. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about the most recent iteration of Star Trek. We're going to talk about Star Trek Beyond that came out this weekend. All four of us went out and saw it. We did. Not together, of course. Matt and I saw it together. But we did. Matt and Father Chuck saw it together. 1201. Uh, 12.01 a.m. It was a rough day the next day. It was. In 3D. 
in 3D. Well, yeah. what was that like? Was that good? Actually, I, I, it wasn't really. It that was remarkable. in 3D. My, I, that's how it was. Yeah. <laughs> there was very little I, about it that was remarkable. I, bar- about I barely 3D. noticed it was in 3D. Yeah. Um, just being okay. But cool. The well, movie, so. that's not a comment on the movie, though. We're gonna get to the movie. Okay. All right. So, Star Trek Beyond is the third movie in what is now deemed the Kelvin timeline which is, of course, the rebooted universe started by J.J. Abrams. Star Trek Beyond is about a surprise attack in outer space, forces the Enterprise to crash land on a mysterious world, and the result came from Crawl, played by Idris Elba, a lizard-like dictator who derives his energy by sucking the life out of his victims. Crawl needs an ancient and valuable artifact that's aboard the badly damaged starship, and left stranded in a rugged wilderness is Kirk, played by Chris Pine. More like Chris Fine, am I right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Spock, played by Zachary Quinto, and the rest of the crew must now battle a deadly alien race while trying to find a way off their hostile planet. Father Fun, since yeah. you're our guest, I'm going to ask you first. What did you think of Star Trek Beyond? I I was shocked at how much I loved it. Really? Uh, yeah, I I just was blown away by it. Um, I think Into Darkness didn't really live up to it for me. I loved Star Trek 2009. Actually, I have a funny story about Star Trek 2009. I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I remember after Nemesis didn't get really great reviews, um, I you know I loved it and cried and everything. The Nemesis? For Nemesis, yeah. <laughs> and when Data <laughs> yeah, dude. sacrifices himself? Yeah, oh, dude. God, are you... Spoilers. Um, Spoilers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I should also warn our audience, this is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode, so if you haven't seen Star Trek Beyond, uh, beware. So, um, Star Trek 2009 came out several years later uh, while we were in seminary, and um, and I remember when it came out, I was really stressed out about it because I thought, like, this is the last chance for Star Trek. Like, if this movie is terrible, if this movie <laughs> does not do well, they're just not going to make any more Star Trek anymore, and I'll have to just continue to watch my DVDs. And so I went to see it with a friend of ours named uh, Chris Robinson, C-Rob. And we went and we showed up like, you know, an hour early or something like that. And I was smoking at the time. And I we were sitting outside waiting for some other people to show up. And I was just pacing back and forth, just chain smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Really? Yeah. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I am, I'm really stressed out about this. <laughs> like, this has to, be, has to be good. Anyway, it ended up being great. And I, I really enjoyed it. But I, I think that, I think that Star Trek Beyond may be a better movie. I really liked it. Can I add really quick, Patrick? I don't know if it could be because you were so stressed out. I don't know if you remember, I was at that showing with you. Um, mm. And um, I had brought a date with me and you like, took a couple of pot shots at me, kind of like making fun of me for some reason. And then you were like, <laughs> like, like little put downs in front of this girl that I was trying to impress. And then you were like, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that, that, that the guy, that the star Trek nerd is taking pot shots at the guy with the date <laughs> and making him look bad. Like that's, Wow, we've come a long remember, way. Haven't we? I don't remember what he was okay, saying, but I just, all I remember is you being like very, very apologetic. And you were like, you're like, I'm sorry. I am just really nervous about this movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. You, you know, when, when I saw Star Trek 2009, I was I was super stoked about it. I actually, I was living in L.A. at the time. And I got to see it on IMAX uh, in Santa Monica. And uh, it was just like a big party for me because I didn't really, really care because I wasn't a Star Trek nerd. But I ended up loving it like you did. So you, you loved Star Trek Beyond. Yes. What about it stuck out to you the most that probably puts it above the previous J.J. Abrams entries? 
I think that what what I noticed this time around were were a couple things. The first was that it felt like it felt a lot more like Star Trek than the J.J. Abrams penned scripts did. Um, there, were, there was a lot more of the techno babble, which makes Star Trek Star Trek. I don't know. It just had this feeling that it just it just felt like Star Trek a little bit more instead of a like an action movie that had the name attached to it. Okay. But it was also still really actiony and very um, appealing for somebody. I would imagine for somebody who isn't into Star Trek, it's interesting. But what really stood out for me, and I think the reason I think it's a better film, is I kind of I I, I could tell what was going to happen throughout. 2009 and through into darkness like i just knew like the script it was just very predictable for me okay but there were the entire time i was watching beyond i was just like what is happening but in a in, like i was an interested way it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't like what is happening this is dumb and crazy i was compelled by the villain i didn't understand his motivations and they the slow trickle revelation of who he was and what oh, yeah. masterfully done the, the the different races who were um, stuck on the planet trying to figure it all out what is this device what is that it was just all it was just very well constructed mm-hmm. um in a way that that 2009 and and into darkness really weren't where right. they felt for slapdash and, and you know I, I i'm not i haven't watched a whole bunch of star trek i've watched i've watched enough but i do know that the most you know, you, you could pluck out the most random episode of a Next Generation or the old series, and most of them are about like they're put into a situation where they have no idea what's going on, right? And they have to use their wits and their knowledge uh, to, to to just to piece everything together. And we like take that journey with them, and it's and, and that journey is supposed to be like the most impo- like interesting thing about it, right? And I and 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 it was a it was a typical Star Trek movie too in that it took. They they got they all got scattered at the beginning, right? And like right. as as they started finding each other, I just got more and more excited because I realized like oh they're getting the team together and they need each other to figure this out. You know right. that it isn't Kirk isn't just going to do it by himself. Um, he needs his crew, which is the which is the lesson learned throughout the whole thing. But hmm. and then and then there were pl- there were plenty of just like little nods to other uh, the other films and the other series that. They were just really exciting for me, um, yeah. especially the stuff that was referencing back to Star Trek Generations, the the crossover one about the from the old the the original series to the Next Generation, right. um, which were both right at the beginning. In that movie, there's this great scene right at the end when um, Kirk and Picard have uh, battled Soren. Is that his name? Yeah, Soren. Yeah, and kind of talking and 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 Kirk is giving Picard some advice, and he says something like. You know, whatever you do, don't let them take you out of that chair because there they can make there you can make a difference. You know, don't right. let them promote you to admiral. You know, don't let them make you head of Starfleet Academy. Stay in the chair because that's where it matters. And that's what this movie was about from the very, very, very early on. You find out that what Kirk is going through is that he kind of wants to become a vice admiral and wants to leave the chair. And so there was that. And then the whole saucer, the whole saucer section crash. Yeah. Um, that was that was that was in Star Trek Generations, and that was a <laughs> that was an incredible moment for me as a, as a Next Generation fan, because mm-hmm. the the saucer section did not split off from the battle section like often, and so right. when they did it, it was cool. And then you see this iconic ship that for me was seven seven seasons of watching the show with my dad, 
like just get destroyed. I mean, it was just, it's heartbreaking to watch that ship just crash into the ground and the same, and they got to, they do, they got to replicate that with this. And it was, it was just neat. It was just a neat little homage. So very cool. Great. Well, uh, I'm going to move on to our next panelist. I don't know. Where are we <laughs> panelists? Father Chuck, what are your thoughts on Star Trek Beyond? I loved it. I echo Patrick's feelings. I think it was, it's definitely the best of the Kelvin timeline movies. It is, it felt like Star Trek. Um, I think the, I think Star Trek 09 was really a setup for the it was a setup for us to get used to a new cast. Um, I think that was the most exciting thing about Star Trek 09, but it didn't really pave any new ground or anything. I mean, there's some cool stuff in it, but um, but really narratively, it's just a it's an origin story. Um, Star Trek in the Darkness is in retrospect just not a good movie, and it ends up exactly in the same place where Star Trek 09 ends, where they're still not on their five year mission, and Kirk is sitting in the chair getting ready to leave on a mission. So this yeah. to me felt like the sequel we deserved to to, to uh, Star Trek 09. but That's it's good way putting it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like it really carried the, it it, follow, it it furthered the narrative from that movie. I mean, really, you could ignore Star, you could pretty much ignore Into Darkness and get right to this movie. Um, but I, I everything everything Patrick said, I agree with. It was it felt like Star Trek while also being an action film um, while appealing to sort of a mass audience, which is a very tricky thing to do, and it is very Star Trek. Um, I mean, there's really good little references in it in a way that aren't just like, oh, hey, we dropped a reference. Like, they actually mean something. Like, to me, so as I've mentioned a few times on this show, and you guys all know about, I'm I'm a huge fan of Star Trek Enterprise. And I know it's one of the <laughs> least popular shows in the franchise, but I really love that show. And so there are references to that, to that era in this movie, um, including the Zindi which was really refreshing and, and exciting for me to hear a reference to the Zindi in it because um, that was a controversial thing when they introduced that in Enterprise. And so this sort of canonized that a little bit more to see it referenced in another um, bit of the franchise. But, um, and as, you know, by now, if any of our listeners have found out, I wrote a little article about the NX um, ship that shows up in the movie. So you can get a sense of my fandom for star trek enterprise but like little things like that though were just like really and they meant something like they were they they worked within the universe they 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 worked within the plot um and so um i i just i was really blown away and like i felt like it kind of felt like a almost like a two-parter star trek tv episode yeah um and it's a scenario that many star trek episodes have had where the ship you know the crew is stranded away from the ship or whatever you know, Voyager did an episode like that. Um, did a, I think probably a couple episodes like that now in retrospect. But um, so it, it followed that kind of format, but it really worked in a way that helped us get to know the crew. Um, and I think that's a, it ultimately that's also the last thing I'll just say I loved about it was I love that um, the crew was really the centerpiece. Um, obviously, Kirk got more screen time than the rest of them, and it's mostly a, mostly about him and his arc. But almost in more than any of the others in this franchise or in this timeline, the, um, the rest of the crew really, really shined and all of them pretty much had something to do. And in fact, most cases, there's more than just a handful of people on screen. I mean, you know, you, on the planet, there's a scene where or a couple of scenes where whenever they're like in prison or whatever on the planet, you see pretty much the entire enterprise crew with them. And, you know, what really struck me in seeing that was how diverse they were. Uh, nobody, like, makes, like, a big, like, they don't put a spotlight on it. It's just there. And there's this, I felt like the show did a really good job of showing that the Enterprise is more than these, like, five people on the bridge. That it's actually these hundreds of people. Which really right. 
calls back to some of the earliest episodes of the original series where the hallways are just jam packed with crew members doing stuff. Um, <laughs> this show or this episode or this gosh, this movie felt like one of those episodes in that the Enterprise is bigger than just the core group of people. And so I really, 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 I really loved that. I kind of always want to go back to these uh, Kelvin timeline movies and see if there's like a random ha- hallway with a random ladder just sticking out of nowhere that nobody <laughs> climbs. Uh, because I, that's like the most prominent thing I remember from <laughs> the classic series is that one hallway with that one ladder is just there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes there's a guy that just goes up and comes down. Be good homage. <laughs> um, Matt Wells, head of security. <laughs> security. What are your chief. thoughts? Security chief, head of security chief. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know designations. Uh, uh, are you are you a Kelvinist, sir? Did you like Star Trek? <laughs> it, it would Calvinist. actually it would actually be chief of security, right? Yes, it would be chief. Chief of security. Chief of security. My bad. Chief of security. Um, okay. I, I will start with saying I think that uh, uh, Father Chuck over here's fumble is one of the best compliments for the movie I heard this this show episode. I mean movie. <laughs> I actually think that's one of the best compliments for this movie. I loved the 2009 one, but I agree that it wasn't Star Trek like we knew it. What I loved about it is what it achieved, is restarting the whole world within the context of the Star Trek universe. Like, if you're a Star Trek, if you're a Trekkie, if you're a Star Trek nerd, I mean, you're into this stuff, it works. It fits everything they talked about. Um, So I loved that they pulled that off. This is the first new one that I felt like the characters got to where we wanted them to be. Yes. Um, Kirk felt like Kirk. Spock felt like Spock. And they started to feel like they had that relationship together. What I loved about this one is Kirk, Spock, and Bones have a kind of the relationship going in this movie where they didn't have that so much in the last ones. Um, But it all makes sense. I I agree that Into Darkness is the weakest of these movies by far. I agree. But it makes sense in the storyline that this is a federation that right off the bat, um, it was war. So they were planning to discover and have unity, but they were destroyed by the ship that restarted everything. So these characters undergo a different journey than what we knew them from. They're they're not a peace-giving thing like we remember they were kind of birthed in the midst of an after um it's kind of after a 9-11 event i'm, I'm I, I hate to 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 kind of downplay 9-11 by putting it but it's kind of like that type of an event and then this is a world that's coming to terms with that and i feel like the characters are finally back to the characters we know but still staying true to the new kelvin timeline and their new kind of ways of looking at things um but I absolutely love this movie, if that's not obvious by what I'm saying already. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on a binge of the original series recently. And right. to do that and then see this movie, um, I watched the other two in the midst of the original series. Still still really liked them. But with the other series, there's such a clash to the world I was seeing in the Kelvin timeline and the world I was seeing in the original series. This mm-hmm. one felt like the perfect merging of the two. Yeah. Um, this is a violent-looking, um, very flashy, very war-type. Um, I mean, the the bridge is very war-oriented instead of, like, the original one. But in this one, it worked. It felt like it finally got to where that met with the original intent. The other thing I loved about this movie 
is um, their, their reference at the beginning. Kirk is giving his um, captain's log, and he states that this is year three of their yeah. five-year mission. If you know anything about Star Trek, the show was canceled three years in. So mm-hmm. year three, Enterprise A is destroyed, or the Enterprise right. is destroyed, and Enterprise well. A is built. So the Enterprise from the original series is now gone. Not in the original series. I'm talking about the new one. In the original series, it was just Enterprise. Then it switched over to Enterprise A, and then you have, like, the other Enterprises. So in this one, you got to see the Enterprise get destroyed in the Kelvin timeline and the Enterprise A take over. So now we've Mm. caught up with the movies, basically. We've caught up to the beyond the three years of their five-year mission, and now they're out in space, and we're... Um, kind of seeing the in-between. So it's interesting that they did that with this one. And I don't think that mm-hmm. was a mistake with it being the 50th anniversary. Um, but the three years in, it, the show got canceled three years into their five-year mission. So in this timeline, three years into the five-year mission, their ship, their ship was destroyed. It was, I mean, it yeah. was completely destroyed, which was, that, I agree, yeah. heartbreaking to watch the Enterprise be completely destroyed. <laughs> But. It is interesting. It, it it does kind of make me wish that there were some like Seth MacFarlane style like like throwbacks to like random periods throughout the three year mission. Like <laughs> I don't know. Flashbacks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like crazy that, things happening. I thought that 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 that, be- that the very beginning was kind of one of those of like that those moments when when he goes in when when Kirk goes in front of the what whatever they were called with the artifact to offer it as a peace offering. Yeah. Really and the fun. way yeah. that they film, you think that these creatures are like massive, you know, hulking beasts, and then it turns out that they're just these little tiny. <laughs> like it was, it was that kind of like silliness of like, and then then he's so war- war- worn after that. Like we've been dealing with this stuff for the last three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Well, I ripped my shirt I, again. That was yeah, a great line. Yeah, by the way. I love that because I do. That is one thing I noticed rewatching the original series. His shirt is always torn, just so that William Shatner could show off his chest. But like early, early on in the season, just, later in the season is when he's wearing that like tunic thing because yeah, the tunic one. He's hiding the girdle. I, I actually yeah. hate. I actually hate that tunic outfit. But anyways, his shirt is always ripped, and I really, I was trying so hard to notice. It seems like every time it's ripped. It's the identical shirt that they use. Like, it's ripped in the <laughs> identical spot. It's, like, above it. I think it's his right shoulder is always exposed. Like, it's just torn. The collar perfectly intact, but underneath it is torn and hanging. I think they used one prop every time his shirt Probably. was ripped. But, yeah, that reference cracked me up. Um, having gone back recently and, and currently mm-hmm. re-watching that series, it just it cracked me up. Like, so mm-hmm. I ripped my shirt again. <laughs> But all I'm waiting for is Chris Pine to pull off some of the classic William Shatner fighting moves. Oh, the, the double-fisted like hammer move? The double-fisted yeah, hammer. Yes. Or, or my personal favorite, just completely throw yourself at them. <laughs> like just completely sideways in the air. Just jump into them. And it's like slow motion. But, man, it, it's effective in the show. I mean, he knocks them out every time. There's something, there's something more going on there, like the Vulcan nerve pitch, I'm telling you. There is. Well, I have a question for you guys, um, and it's something I've been contemplating a lot ever since I've heard this notion about um, Kirk saying that uh, that their their five year mission was starting to kind of get boring, that it's starting to become sort of mundane. That he says in his in his own words, it's starting to feel episodic, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. It's a nice little line, yeah. Yeah, Kirk was always described to me 
and not just like through friends, but through, you know, fans and other writers and directors and stuff. People often compared the character of Kirk to Sherlock Holmes, basically saying that if Kirk wasn't on the starship, if he wasn't in the captain's seat, he would go insane. Do you think that's sort of like the point of the movie? Oh, yeah. Like, like, do, do you think I mean, do, do you did you guys buy the fact that Kirk is bored with his five year mission? Um, well, it's it's more. Cabin, or do you think it's a? It's more cabin fever than yeah. bored. I wouldn't say he's bored. I would say he's lost in this like, this isolation and this repetitive repetitiveness. Like, um, basically, and they make the scene where he gets up and he's like getting ready for the morning. He opens his closet and everything is exactly the same because it's one uniform that he wears. Um, so I don't think that he's bored. It's boring. I think that it's just so repetitive. It's like I wake up, I put on the same outfit, we go find some weird race, something happens, I go well, to bed, I wake up and do it again. And it's even the all repetitive isolated. Nature. Yeah, even the repetitive nature, though. Like, do you still think even that, like, if he was taken out of that completely, I was. it was always described to me that he would go insane. Like, Sherlock Holmes goes insane when he's not working on a case. In the movies, you see um, the Shatner Kirk, like, he's a bad admiral. Like there's a there's a certain disposition that the Admiralty needs that Kirk just doesn't. Which is have. to be evil. Sorry, Star <laughs> Trek. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're comm- a commandant or something, you're usually not good. But um, absolutely, admirals I, are bad I, guys. I, if you're a red shirt, you're gonna yeah. die. If you're an admiral, you're evil. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> I've heard that before, or I haven't heard that before, but I um, but I like it. Um, I like that idea that he and that's and that's really what's expressed in that like that quote that I said from Generations, is that he needs to feel like he's being useful. And if you're standing sitting behind a desk and sending out other people to do the work, you know, maybe he's just a workaholic. Um, well, and I think yeah. I think it's a theme that's true since the 2009 reboot. Um, the re, I don't reboot's not even the right phrase, but in that movie, it literally saves his life. Like he's heading down a road that's going to wind up, wind up with either him being dead or in prison, um, and he instead decides to join the Federation and becomes a captain, and finds himself in that finds a purpose. Well, so I think it stays true to this, but also true to the original Kirk to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I and I think one of the things the movie makes a point on. I think it makes a point about, it, and it's probably not as clear as it could be, but in the scene where. Um, where, where Bones and um, Kirk are in the lounge and they're sharing a glass of and they're sharing whiskey. They've stolen they've stolen um, Chekhov's bourbon, which is pretty funny. Um, and um, or bourbon. scotch, it's just scotch, right? Yeah, yeah, scotch. scotch. Yeah. Um, so he um, so they're 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 having this little conversation, and one of the points that Bones makes is that you know that Kirk has lived longer than his dad. And I think this birthday will be yeah the birthday is like Mark's yeah that he's older than his dad and I think which spoiler it's his birthday right <laughs> so I think um, I think that the parallel that you see later with Captain Edison at the end of the movie um, where when they have their confrontation and Edison makes this whole thing about how he was a soldier and now he's expected to be a diplomat that he understood mm-hmm. that, that he sort of he never could get past that um, and that's what made him. That, that's what makes him a villain. His character is that he's never able to let go, and he's never able to change. And Kirk makes that comment: "Well, we change." And I think what, what's going on there is that I think why Kirk feels like he's in a slump is you know when Pike recruits him in Star Trek 09, 
Pike recruits him with the promise. He says, you know, your dad he was a was starship captain for seven minutes or whatever. He's like, and he managed to save however many lives. I dare you to do better. And I think like Kirk had his whole mind that he was going to prove himself to be better than his dad. And his whole kind of a daddy issue kind of thing. And so, you know, and his dad's whole thing was he was his hero because he sacrificed himself for his crew. And it's the line in this movie. He said, my exactly. dad joined for, for, I forget the reason. Yeah, so, I like, joined as a dare. I joined on a dare. Yeah, and I think that I think that what's going on with Kirk is in his mind he got into this gig trying to live up to the expectation of his dad and this sort of like go out in a blaze of glory kind of thing, which he tries to do in Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, and and I think because like anyway, so now he is he lived longer than his dad. Most of his work is diplomatic work. The same thing that Captain Edison said that he did not want to do and right. couldn't understand doing. And I think that that's what's going on is Kirk is in the slump because he's like he, he's basically the same person as Edison. In that he has defined himself by the role that he's that he thought he was supposed to play, and now he's confronted with where he could be heading if he can't adjust and change, and he realizes no, we have to change, and so it's not so much about living this blaze of glory. It's not so much about all of this kind of adventure and excitement, but it's about the work that you can do from that captain's chair. Uh, and so and I think the slump is not so much that he's bored. I think it's just that the expectation in his head that he had isn't what the reality is. Uh, and that's and I think that's a cool way for the 50th to celebrate it. The thing that I thought this movie did amazing is it's 3 years in like I said, so this is when the show 3 years got canceled 3 years into their 5-year mission. So it's 3 years in the ship gets destroyed. On top of that in the Kelvin timeline, 3 years in is when he finally outlived what his dad would have been. So this mm-hmm. is when Kirk is finally forced to decide who is Kirk. He's no right. longer living to be his father, which is a Kelvin timeline version of Kirk that we've had as he's trying to live up to the shadow of his father. Now it's who am I? Um, and just an interesting side note um, that means nothing, but I find it kind of humorous in a way. Um, in the original series, he's a lot more concerned about his ship. Yep. It's always my ship. Don't mess with my ship. And in the new yeah. one, it's my crew. Don't mess with mm-hmm. my crew. And I find that kind which of is funny. More, which is more of a um, card way of thinking. Right, I, which is yeah. more fits more with Next Generation, but also, again, in my opinion, is a Captain Kirk who came to his own in the midst of his father's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in a weird way, it, it fits perfectly, whether they intended it that far or not. Um, this Kirk is all about my crew, whereas the other Kirk was like, don't hurt my ship. Um, and I found that interesting. Like, he'll sacrifice his ship to save his crew in this one. And yeah. the other one, he'd do anything to make sure his ship was intact. And that's and that's kind of one of the things in the movie that I thought, I'm not sure, I, I actually ended up liking more than I thought I would based off what I saw in the previews. Because I had just watched Naked Time, um, which is an episode in the original series. And in that, um, they get this. It's they a get great this, episode. Yeah, we'll they get, get to that, though. They <laughs> get this disease, um, whatever, that in Next Generation it's revisited called the polywater virus. And there's this thing where basically it makes them go completely uninhibited. They lose all inhibition. Yeah. And then at this moment when Kirk catches it, he's like grabbing like the bulkheads of the ship and saying that he loves her and that he will never lose her. Like I will never lose you. And like the Enterprise is such a character in the original series and it hasn't really been like that in the movies. I mean, because they're blowing it to hell in all the movies. I mean, it's like they ever raise shields. Even the original movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even in Star Trek Three, when they blow up the when they blow up the Enterprise, though, it like that's the first time that's ever happened. Like that was like really heavy. So in this movie, like you'd seen it basically blown to hell two times already. But like that shot that when he's in the uh, when he's in the Kelvin pod and he sees the saucer section, 
descending into the planet and crashing and that look on his face. Like, I think it really kind of, it kind of drove home that a little bit of that emotion of how much he loved the ship. But yeah, you're right. He's definitely much more of a crew person than a ship person. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of the crew, um, I want to talk about the cast and characters, guys. Um, I've heard it said by industry folk that J.J. Abrams is the greatest living casting director in Hollywood working right now. And, you know, as you know, this crew was pretty much, I mean, the actors, I'm talking about the actors, pretty much created by J.J. Abrams. We got to see them in different hands this time. Yep. What did you guys think about the characters and uh, the actors who played them this time around? Did you And did you have, you know, this crew was, was split up, and so you had sort of like certain subplots, different interactions. Was there a particular narrative that you guys thought were that were the most interesting Patrick. like whether it's spot yeah, um well i've 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 been a fan of zachary quintos since the original heroes and um when <laughs> they, yeah exactly when they cast him as spock i was really excited about it and he and he lived up to it and he continues to live up to it i think he did a fantastic job in fact i was thinking about what charles was saying earlier about um about kirk living up to um or maybe it was Matt living up to his 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 father and then choosing and figuring out how he was going to be himself. And we kind of get kind of an opposite thing from Spock in this in this movie where he's um, the, the 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 older version of himself from a former timeline of different timelines. <laughs> he, instead of living up to himself, he's going to live yeah. up to himself. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's trying to. And, and I feel like I love Star Trek. Sorry. He's, he's making this discernment of like, should I go and do what I what my older self did by taking care of my people? Or should I do what my older self did by committing to this crew? Yeah. And, becoming part becoming fully invested in the crew and he ultimately makes the right decision and chooses chooses the latter i think quinto has he he, he liked nimoy he's, he's he's definitely a student of nimoy right in that he has the subtleness of the emotional range that a lesser actor couldn't couldn't do i mean you be, you believe in when he laughs um because it's so rare right. um that scene was great <laughs> so so good um and and he's his delivery is just spot on he's not doing an impersonation none of them are doing impersonations really i mean maybe simon Pegg is doing an impersonation but the rest of them like they're all they're all kind of doing their own thing and but it but it is exactly spock so i think he's great i think simon Pegg is great for an entirely different reason um yeah because it's who, simon Pegg. right i mean he's <laughs> he's the he's the primary writer of the script right so a man who loves right. Stan Star Star Trek. I mean, it's his it's his fault. This movie, I think, is so good, um, and and he's he's a great Scotty. Um, he's hilarious, and um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the bones the bones and Spock scenes were great for me as a as a hearkening back to the original series and to the original movies, original series movies. Um, that unlikely friend, you know, you think of the friendship is like in. 2009 it was kirk and spock and these these two guys these opposites of the emotional spectrum and they actually need each other and you know you are and now you are now and have always been my greatest friend Mm -hmm. you know that's obviously the keystone friendship but the comedic friendship the friendship that actually like drives plot and makes you interested in kind of what's going on um is actually the bones and spock because they are actually the exact opposites right total end of the spectrum Kirk, yeah. Kirk is Kirk is in the middle and is able to relate to both, but 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 Bones is 
so different and they got super a, emotional <laughs> right? they like, got a really great chance to explore that um in this in this uh movie they're like the angel and the devil on his shoulder is yeah. what i realized yeah. rewatching <laughs> the old series um and it's one's like all about emotion and understanding and the other one's all about logic um but the line in this one before uh, not to totally interrupt you and to before you get back to yours the line in this one that i loved is when he he says if you die i don't know what kirk would do but Bones is like, I mean, I'd I'd throw a party, but I don't yeah. know what he. Did. But then he does everything he can to save him, of course, because they're friends. But I, that was the line that to me was like, all right, we're back to where this belongs. Yeah. Um, right. And then the whole, I, at least I won't die alone, is just incredible. <laughs> I I do I really like I love the scene where where Spock said like he needed Bones to come with him to to commandeer yes. that one ship at the end. And Bones is like, what? Yeah, yeah, Kirk's like, he's not going to like this. But they all smirk. they're all smirking during it. That is classic Star Trek. Oh, like, yeah. That is the original yeah. series. When Kirk is yeah. like, he's going to hate this idea. And then Bones is flipping out like, you want me to what? And then, of course, he fits in. Away. And he yeah. fits in as the he... classic, I'm a doctor. He's like, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a, and then warps away. <laughs> beams, <laughs> away. beams away. Beams away. Yeah. Correct that. And then beams away. <laughs> Matter, matter, Father Chuck. Uh, what did you guys think about the cast? And did you have any uh, particular favorite relationships in the movies? That, because th- this was a, a very relationship-driven film. Yeah, I what uh, I what I really like about this what I really like about this cast is that um, all of them I, I feel like have managed to capture the essence of the characters they're portraying. Like like Patrick said, they're not impersonations. Like Chris Pine does a really great way of capturing the qualities of Kirk that Shatner conveys without, of course, doing Shatner's you know, cadence and talking and all of the stuff that he does. Um, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. But like, like the moment, there's a moment in Star Trek 09 when I knew that Pine was Kirk, when I knew that he embodied Kirk, it's the scene in the bar in Iowa where he's flirting with um, Ahura and she makes some comment about um, like making, about like having sex with farm animals. And he just like looks at her and he says, well, not only, and, like, the way he delivers that line is just such a perfect, like, Kirk delivery. I was like, Pine's got it. Pine's got it. And then I saw him in um, I saw him in Into the Woods. Chris Pine was in Into the Woods. And it was clear that he was working on some Shatner-type stuff in that movie. I think probably is the way it just, to me, came across. He's trying to further his, his Kirk personification. But in this movie, he's perfect. He's perfect. Kirk means a lot to me, like, on a very, very personal level. Um, to see somebody who can capture that character in such a in such a profound and accurate and just on, and just great way, just means a lot. And to finally see him in a movie that really knows how to use him, is 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 fantastic. But I just I love Kirk. Um, I love Quinto as Spock. I think he's dead on. I mean, there's uh, there's really not any many more that can be said than what Patrick already said. In this movie, one of the things I was really surprised to see is I really liked the um, I really liked the relationship that they kind of explore. They showed. Um, they broke up the typical relationships from the other movies. Like they had Ahura with um, Sulu, um, right. which was, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fuzzy on original series. Matt's watched it more recently than I have, but I, that wasn't necessarily a, a common pairing in the series. So that was kind of cool to see them do that. And um, um, I really, I enjoyed Ahura in this. It was kind of cool to see her broken away from Spock. So she's not just Spock's girlfriend as she's been for te- two films. And she's like, yeah. a legit, she's like a legit ass kicker in this movie, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, and she, I guess she does have super hearing powers. I don't know. <laughs> well, 
Well, that's a that's her character though. Is she's always been able to hear things that others don't. That's a yeah. common. That's actually a common thing from the original one. It's not oh, really? so much explained, but it's known by the Trekkies. Um, I thought it was just something that was like super exaggerated no, for the reboot. It's, it's what makes her ideal for her job is that she's able yeah. to hear. It's not so much super hearing as super ability to distinguish between sounds is what it is. So like dialects are also noises. So that's what makes her the best at what she does as the original wearer of the Bluetooth headset. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's, that's what it is. But finish no, what you were no, saying. Uh, I, there's really not more I can say without repeating what Patrick no, said. Then, so. then back to me. What did I, Matt? What did you think of the cast? Well, here's what I thought of the cast. Um, sorry, I just totally took over. You did the show by yourself. But, this, no. this is master the ma- of divinity. This is the master of divinity. Um, the master. <laughs> oh. oh, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I agree that one thing J.J. Abrams cannot be. Um, cannot be faulted for is his casting Uh, it's just incredible even i mean whatever you think of individual movies of individual um, stories his casting is always dead on and when it comes to star trek i feel like it took a whole new level of perfection i mean even to the point that if you look at them and you're kind of like yeah but they don't look anything like them if you pull up the pictures that put them side by side they really do. Not yeah. only did he find incredible actors, but they look like these people when they were younger. It's mm-hmm. almost scary how, how much they tend to look like. Um, but I, I love the casting. I love what the cast did with this movie. I love that they finally felt like the original, the original characters, but with all the aspects of the new timeline. Um, and a perfect example, to me, the perfect example of that is Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, because right. here is a Spock that instead of the original one where he joined the Federation, here is a Spock who is born more out of conflict and because of that has leaned more into his human half. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he this Spock feels more than the other one did. He shows more emotion by far than the original Spock did, but you never feel like that's a problem. Well, you Spock Prime feel, told him to do that too. Yeah, you always feel like he is 100% Spock while still being able to do all this new stuff with it. And the perfect scene is that one where he laughs. The laugh yes. is incredible when Bones is like, you're, he's going mad. Um, he, it, Good it's, God, man. Yeah, he's like, you're going delirious. Um, it's, it's incredible. But right before that, he's crying. Um, I mean, he's showing emotions that the original Spock only showed every other episode when he's undergoing some weird um, alien possession or disease. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But he, he gets to show these emotions, but you don't feel like it's in any way cheating the character. Yeah. You feel like right. here is a version of Spock who is completely coming to his own under a totally different set of circumstances. And yet somewhere in there, like you said, is the essence of Spock. It still feels like I'm watching Spock. And we haven't said it yet. So the spoiler alert um, emotional that he finds out that Leonard Nimoy Spock died in this one, um, that his Mm -hmm. older self is dead, um, because obviously in real life we've lost Spock. Um, But for him to lose him in this show, and kind of that interesting conflict of not only did you lose an older kind of a father figure that he looked up to, but it is literally yourself. Right. You've lost yourself. 
Um, right. So you've lost a father figure and you lost yourself in one one event and now he's trying to find himself in the midst of that and i love yeah. that he makes the right choice which is the same one the old spock would have made but completely makes it on his own and totally for reasons justified by the new timeline yeah. um comes right. into his own and just he, he's spock again and i loved it right you know, it's too bad that there was that uh, Doctors Without Borders fundraiser on that planet, so he wasn't able to make the uh, <laughs> original Spock spin-off. Uh, nice little callback. I like it. I like it. Uh, did, did it did it hit you guys where you live when he opened up that photo of the original cast? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. That's very touching, I thought. Yeah, it may not mean anything to him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. these people? And, I, <laughs> and, and in some ways, in some ways, I'm disappointed, but I'm I'm also glad that they didn't like have him do that at a time when Kirk or Sulu or Bones could like make a sarcastic comment about how awful those uniforms were, you know, or something yeah. like that. that. That was like it was like they were genuinely going for the emotion there, um, and they let us be like, oh yeah, those kind of were weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I want to mention the, the man's amazing, but how do you think William Shatner feels that he finally got a cameo as a photograph <laughs> in the new timeline? Yeah, because I know he really wanted to be in the movies. <laughs> oh, you guys, you know, you're, you're definitely mentioning um, some definitely standout performances from from Spock, or I should say Zachary Quinto and uh, Carl Urban as Spock and Bones, and yes, uh, John Cho as Sulu. Um, but I also kind of want to give some props to Anton Yelchin as as uh, Chekhov. Uh, Anton Yelchin, who tragically passed away uh, very recently, like almost a month ago. And um, which, but what a great legacy he's left behind. Which is odd that this movie centered so much. Like, he had so much to do in this one yeah. compared to his other ones. Yeah, we more to do in this one the other and they, than compared uh, to the This is a movie where his character finally has, like, more of a central... He's mm-hmm. right there. He's, he's literally yeah, he's, at one he's point with Kirk. With Kirk um, yeah. And it's just the two of them. And it's just weird. And also, I caught this little the little moment at the end, and I wonder if they re-edited they it. Did. If they, they did, did, it's genius. The, the toast that Kirk is giving at the end, he and... He says, this is to absent the people who have gone before us and to absent friends. And when he says that, it's on Anton. Yeah. Um, right. The and, director and said they did that. That that was the moment that, to me, really, really drove it home was when that scene came. Because for the rest of the movie, I was like, this is incredible that they couldn't have planned, not planned his death, but planned a better tribute to him and that this movie is the one that that he is he's a very central figure he's yeah. not just a, a guy on the bridge delivering lines that you can laugh and go oh look it's Chekhov he's actually right. part of this story and a key component to it and I thought it couldn't have been more fitting yeah. and and um was a great tribute to him and then they literally put mm-hmm. the tribute at the end um that it was in memory of Leonard Nimoy and then for Anton and that just yeah. that's just like rip yeah. your heart out a moment but um yeah, I thought he did great in this movie, and it's really sad that we we lost him um, before yeah. we could see where what it went from there. Yeah, and they said that, uh, and some inside baseball. They are going to make a Star Trek four. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess technically, I don't know what number, but yeah, four. And uh, they're not going to be recasting uh, Chekhov. They're, I guess, they're going to go yeah. with a different character. They're going to find. Well, they're going to find a way to deal. They said they don't. We haven't found yet how we're going to deal with what happened, but they're going to find a way to 
to address that and not recast mm-hmm. a character. He's he's going to be on the Reliant, getting tings put in his ears. Yeah. And if I can <laughs> if I can sidetrack here, and if not, I'm sorry. But part of me, because of the whole three year ship being destroyed, am I the only one that part of me was throughout the whole movie wondering if there'd be some kind of a cameo from a character, not an actor, but a character from Next Generation? Kind of waiting for some kind of reference to the fact that no, the, the other ship was coming. There's hundreds yeah. of years between them. I, mean, I thought it was eighty. I, was I know. Like 80 years I know. But I but I felt like they were going to do something, like have a anyway. relative or um, mm-hmm. something addressed. Because I, I I have to be honest. Through the whole movie, I'm kind of wondering, like, yeah, I, are they gonna are they gonna give some kind of nod to like the next crew? Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of surprised that because it was the fiftieth that there weren't more. Sort of like I, I kind of would have expected, like maybe like Patrick Stewart showing up as an alien or something is just like a wink or something, <laughs> or like, just an honor, or, or like Skyfall, the James Bond fiftieth. That's yeah. just constantly like blatant nods to the original. yeah. Like I would have thought they would have done something more like that. I mean, like they made this big deal about um, fifty alien species showing up in the movie, which mm-hmm. I guess they made fifty new alien species for the movie, which I was sort of like, uh, okay, like. You have yet to show an Andorian. <laughs> Give me an Andorian. Come on. Yeah, I was just thinking of Andorians. Yeah. Oh, um, well, uh, what did you guys think about the the new characters, uh, Jayla and uh, Kroll? Um, I'm not going to lie. Jayla, at first, wasn't a fan by the end of the movie. Yeah. I liked the character. I did. I thought I thought yeah. that they did well with it. When they first introduced her, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know why, but I'm just that's how I felt. Um, by the end, I kind of liked her, and the whole like the ending scene with the the Federation thing, um, uh, getting into the academy, and she's like, "Do I have to wear the uniform?" Uh, I, <laughs> I, I like by by then, I liked her character. But Crawl, I felt again, like I said at first, it was, "Oh yeah, here's just this cool looking bad guy," and then where they took it by the end, I really liked it. And and just the, to go back, what I loved about it is it felt like an episode. Yeah. It's not like this is an right. amazing, this is one of the best movies ever written. No, I don't care about that. This felt like an episode of the original Star Trek, and I liked that. That was the greatest thing they could have done, is make it feel like Star Trek. But yeah. you were going to say. Uh, do you think, I mean, what do you think Kroll falls in line, like with uh, the other previous villains in the previous two films, you had Nero in the first one, you had you know Khan in the second one. Do you think uh, he kind of outranks him as far as a quality oh, he, villain? He wins, in my opinion. I I loved the the like I said, I loved the 09 movie, but the villain, eh, it's all right. I just loved the movie, yeah. what it did, um, and the Khan thing. It's not yeah. not a not a reference <laughs> on Benedict. His performance is incredible. But it shouldn't mm-hmm. have. It just shouldn't have been. Nah, we just shouldn't have done yeah. it. We shouldn't have done it. I mean, Star Trek. The idea of having like a villain is kind of a. It's kind of odd for me in Star Trek in general because Star Trek's not known for having like a big bad. You know. Right. 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 Um, you know, they kind of started uh, with Khan, right? Right. Which was because the first season episode they just randomly turned into a movie, which is such a cool move that they did. But that was just that was unexpected. But then they kind of did, you know, but most of the movies kind of started doing that, you know, with like a primary villain character, you know, especially the next generation movies, like the first contact and the Borg queen and um, uh, what's his name? The, the Sona in um, Insurrection, um, Sora, Soren in um, Generations and then, um, yeah. uh, what's his face in Nemesis? I'm just trying to show off my Star, my yeah, Star Trek um, geekiness right now. Because well, yeah, um, in the original series, it was more ideas. Yeah, it was ideas. Like they, it was conflict of ideas, yeah. basically. And I think, yeah. um, I think... But I think 
uh, one, the best villain character in all of Star Trek, and I think Patrick will agree with me on this, is, um, is um, um, why am I blanking on... Gold Dukat. Gold, Gold Dukat. Dukat, thank you. I just finished Deep Space Nine and I can't remember his name. Gold Dukat, great villain, great villain. Yeah. I, what I liked about Crawl as a villain, um, since we are doing all spoilers, we'll just go ahead and say it. What I like about him is he fits into the great pantheon of sort of jilted Starfleet people. Um, mm-hmm. the, the person I think of is the Admiral in Deep Space Nine who ends up joining the Maquis. Um, that really, um, um, that really, um, I think um, there's a there's a there's a connection there with that. So I think he joins in that in that tradition. I liked him. I liked his motivations. I think my favorite thing about it, because I, I, you know, at first like when I saw the, the marketing, I was like sort of always oh, a one note villain or whatever. But the idea right. of him having been a Starfleet captain who felt abandoned and felt like he was deliberately abandoned, and really all of that is due to the fact that he cannot adjust to a world where they're not in war. This movie thematically is very, when you take it as a whole, is very similar to Star Trek Into Darkness, but way more effective. And this idea of him saying, you know, like, you know, I was a soldier, and now they expect me to go and make peace with the people that we were fighting against. And Kirk saying, well, that's because we have to change. Like, that idea of somebody who just cannot adapt to a new world, like, that will, that's, a, that's something that I will always find intriguing um, and will mm-hmm. always make for a good villain. And so, um, and, you know, you want to see that person redeemed, and I think it's a little sad that he doesn't get redeemed. But I liked him. I liked him as villain. I, I you know. So, so you mean to tell me your favorite villain ever is not Balok? What? The weird-looking alien that turns out to be, like, a little kid. <laughs> like a bald-headed infant. No. You don't remember that at all? Dude? So, no. it's not going to go back. Um, I I agree <laughs> that Gold Dukat is the best villain in all of Star Trek, and I think that what makes Gold Dukat the best villain in all of Star Trek is that he has an arc, and mm-hmm. it's for him it's a seven-season mm-hmm. arc. Um, and, I, and, I, and that's a problem with individual episode villains or... Um, even individual movie villains is, is that it's hard to give them an arc. Um, but they did a really good job um, through just enticing just enough interest in like, what is this guy? And like, why is he so angry? And why are all of his soldiers wearing masks? And why are there only three of them that look like him? Like, I, I felt like they gave him a really good, really believable arc that paid that paid off for me in a way that that really only Khan has before when it comes to movies, the original Khan, not the Into Darkness Khan. Yeah, I I liked him too. Uh, I was very surprised uh, with the turn that it took. That I I I was just expecting a lizard person. I was not expecting it to be a former uh, Starfleet captain, uh, former human Starfleet captain. Yeah, uh, some trivia: the uh, USS Franklin, uh, which was his starship. Yes. Right. Yeah. The Franklin is named after Justin Lin's father. Frank Lynn. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, cool little piece of trivia. That was that was one thing that when I was reflecting on it this morning that I just didn't understand was if his ship was the Franklin, then how did he not know where it was? Like how how did he how did he lose interest in that ship? Like I felt I felt that was like this weird dangling dangling plot hole. Hmm. I, I think he kind of lost his mind in the process i think my for me my understanding of that is a scene at the end when kirk calls him by his name and he has this weird realization moment yeah oh yeah it's it's good to be me again 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like he just comp- he said we lost ourselves on that planet, but we found a blessing or a miracle, whatever the line is. Um, so I think he just basically lost his mind. Well, um, and he also says that he has spent many lifetimes. Yeah, it's been a long time. So also, that's true. Yeah. I'm sure he just <laughs> left the ship. Yeah, and know, I can't and... remember where I put my keys when right. I get home. So. It's like a whole planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you uh, come on, guys. You park your car, you walk into the store, <laughs> you walk out, and you go, Oh crap, where'd I park? I mean, come on, he lost it on a planet. It's not, I mean, I give him an ex- I give him in a, a mountain range, no yeah, less. I give him a know. pass. <laughs> um, um, but first, but the, first, my favorite villain because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't give me a chance in all oh, of Star Trek. Okay. So we're going all of them. My favorite okay. villain by far is Lacutus aboard. Um, oh. When 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 Patrick, <laughs> what? Come Fuss on! Shaking his How head. How dare you? That is the best villain ever. Uh, um, no, the, Lore is Patrick's. a better villain, but also no. Lore is no, a much better villain. No, 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 no. But also, Lore is evil data. For but also, people. for all of you I, listening I, who are lost in this anyway, if you look up Baylock, my joke was completely missed because apparently these people have no understanding of the original series. It's a very given <laughs> thing within Trekkies that Baylock is by far the worst villain ever in the history of Star Trek. Um, so just look him up. Find a picture of him as this bald little kid that was like this ultimate villain. Um, and, and, and you'll get you'll get what I talked about. But yeah. Lacutus aboard, come on! All of Star Trek, um, he's my favorite. He's a villain for you know, like all of two minutes. It's two episodes. Then again, he all. he kills like all kinds of and people. And it's incredible. It's incredible. It deals with so many issues from fear all the way on. And if you don't know what we're talking about, look it up because we're not going to get into best it of right both now. worlds part one, part two. Consider one of, part well, one is I, considered one of the greatest cliffhangers I in just, television history. The narrative thread that I've noticed. Uh, in these three Kelvin timeline films that was established in the first film, uh, done again in the second one, and and delivered in the third movie, is that Captain Kirk, he uh, the guy likes to fly. He flies a lot. In the first movie, he he's 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 jumping out of the out of the Enterprise and lands on the platform. Oh yeah. In the second awesome. movie, he, he's uh, shot into space with Khan into the USS Vengeance, and in this one, they're in the anti gravity. Area. Oh yeah, gravity eddies. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> don't don't forget the launching himself off the motorcycle to catch her midair scene too. Yeah, I mean that, that that could probably count too. This guy, this this Captain Kirk, he's like a Peter Pan. This guy. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that we address the incredible use of um, of hip hop in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classical. You mean classical? Classical music. Classical music. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I believe it is really, really wonderful. I, I, I really appreciated how it kind of turned and and kind of self critiqued. It was kind of a wink at the audience who was very critical of the use of the Beastie Boys and its marketing. Yeah. Um, but to have, I think it is it NWA who does Fight the Power. Yes. So NWA at the beginning, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, so maybe it was just in the marketing, and then like. And it just it just did such a good job of doing this slow boil, like keeping me guessing the whole time. And then they're like, and then she's like, I got it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they're just going to play NWA again and fight the power. I've got the beats and the shouting. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, oh, they'll just, you know, they're fighting the power. And then, and then when they turn it on and everything just starts exploding and Kirk gets the huge grin on his face, like it was just, that was just awesome. Also a throwback to the first movie. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Throwback to the first movie, obviously. Yeah. Oh, so. Well, 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 may I add, they are they are surfing the USS Franklin. Oh, yeah. That thing is getting slotted, getting a sick deep barrel. <laughs> <laughs> While exploding around them, it's incredible. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask, I, I have two more points to make before, if you guys want to move on or not. Uh, uh, two more points to ask of you, actually. Uh, point number one, and we'll do this real, real quick, if, if you want. What did you guys think of it's kind of kind of controversial issue uh, making Sulu gay in this timeline? Uh, as we know, um, George Takei is not cool with it. Yeah, I, I, I think that it is interesting that Takei is not cool with it, but he's got a really good reason, and that you know he he's not gay in the original series. I think that the that the um, uh, that the producer's explanation of it being about quantum physics and stuff is lame. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't, I obviously don't care. And I like that it's cool and that it's not a thing. I mean, I think they do linger on it just a little bit too long and kind of wink at the audience, you know, a little bit, but it isn't something that's even commented on really. And then he, then his husband appears at later times. Um, but it, I mean, it was fine. I don't get, I don't care. Whatever. Okay. Well, the thing that the thing about it for me is I don't even know why the producers had to try to give an, a really stupid explanation for it. When was it the producers or was it Simon Pegg? Because I know he's said some things about it too. Uh, maybe it was Simon Pegg. Whoever he said it, it, it was to me it was stupid because there is nothing in the original series to indicate that Sulu is straight or gay. Like the only like even on the internet when we were debating this the only thing that they could cite when it referred to like any evidence of sulu flirting with anyone was from a mirror universe episode which is where everybody's the opposite of each other anyway so um there's there's you know well i i i, I could so see, he so could be you're bi. saying the gay people are the opposite and evil versions of straight people is that what you're saying no well, i'm not <laughs> saying that but something like all right fine whatever it's a little, a little problematic there. Hey, okay, look, whatever. All right, shut up. So <laughs> that's not very woke, Chuck. Oh God. <laughs> so the point I'm trying to make is, is that in the established original series depiction of Sulu, there is no indication that he, there, his, his sexuality is just not clear. So he could have been gay the whole time. And in fact, um, I started watching. I was watching the original series, couple, couple episodes here and there um, last week, week before. And kind of intentionally watching Sulu with this eye, because like um, the Man Trap, the very first episode that aired of Star Trek, um, um, I was kind which of which would have been a perfect episode to reveal his sexuality. Yes, so just move on. The Man Trap, um, <laughs> where you know Sulu has like this bizarre botany habit that like hobby that you never see again in the show. But he's, um, but like Janice Rand is in there talking with him, and like there's no like really flirtation. It almost could be like you know. They're just buddies, and you know, it just seems like, you know, watching it, like, oh, but in particular, there's a scene where he is um, talking with a like another like an ensign or something, and there's some flirtation going on between the two of them. Like, I could totally see it going that way, but um, and then of course there's the naked time when he's shirtless running around with a fencing foil and chasing dudes. Is that gay behavior the to you, Chuck? God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. Whipping, whipping your sword out and running around. He is, is that... uninhibited. So gays are uninhibited then. Is what you're no, he is, God, everything I say. Everything I say. Look. I'm in support. I'm an ally. That's good. No, no, that, that that's that's a great thing. It's very good. 
drinking my Pepsi. Which is the evil alternate reality version of Coke. It's so, true. It, it, is, it is Coke with a goatee. That is correct. I feel like the, 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 the reason why they did it was mostly – I feel like Peg's reasoning behind it was probably just to be a sort of a tribute to who originally played the character, George Takei. Right. Um, who was sort of a, a pioneer in a way. Uh, he was one of the first people to get married in California, I think. Or was he, was he, was he, he was and Brad the first? The first. The yeah, first. so – yeah, and you know George Takei is such a wonderful person anyway, who's accomplished so much in his life, has gone through so because considering what he's been through, can you know compared to with where he is today, definitely deserves a tribute. Yeah, and I, and I think it serves as a good tribute. He seems to think not. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, I, I can I can understand where he's coming from. This idea that because he's a gay actor, the character he plays has to be gay too. Like I get I get yeah. where he's coming from in that. Um, right. I will say I'm probably more offended by the fact that his husband is depicted as an Asian dude too. Like, what? Like he can't <laughs> he can't be married to he can't be married to someone else. Like he can't be married to like a Vulcan, you know? Or an Andorian? Or an Andorian? You know? Why not? A red bearded white guy? We know we know what you think. <laughs> a red bearded white guy? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Why doesn't Jerry Dorcha K marry me? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh. Oh, great. Okay, so. What was the other thing? Uh, well, I wanted to ask you guys, and I was going to end on this, unless you have more things you want to say about the movie, but I was going to end on what what uh, song would you use to disrupt the uh, bees, as Jayla called them? Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, Mike. I don't think there's a better answer than that. <laughs> I'm dropping the mic. Uh, Chuck disapproves. Um, no, it's not that I disapprove. I just, uh, you guys, and you're, I'm, I'm, I am, I am surrounded here by in sync sympathizers. You are. You're, you're outnumbered, man. Um, I really am. Oh, on that note, let's rehash the music episode right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> you call it music oh, but that would that would be an incredible scene there too because it would have been like hey hey <laughs> bye, bye, bye. and then it starts exploding oh baby i actually you, you know what why don't you, know you re-edit it patrick re-edit it to that we you know what we'll re-edit that and jp our editor will do that and post it on our facebook page <laughs> i actually would have been okay with backstreet boys um what's that one where they're like floating around in space that song where they're floating around in space? I remember the video, but I don't remember. Back streets, back, all right. <laughs> right? Um, I, Chuck, I feel like you know, and you don't want to say anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> you look frustrated. I know, just what you, I can't, I can't think, I'm going to look it up. I can't think of it. <laughs> I actually don't know. I really don't. Chuck, because, what song would you, what song would you use, Chuck? What song would you use? song i'd use i mean now that you said bye 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 like i really feel like that sort of like what i mean everything I, all i'm gonna be is i'm gonna be the guy who's gonna try to come up with something serious <laughs> well i don't, I don't know. know maybe, don't maybe inner sandman really... larger than life is the backstreet boys <laughs> yes. video yeah, that's what it is that's what it is larger than life would be good flying uh, around on hoverboards and robot dancing with robots seven nation yeah. army seven nation army okay okay Ooh, look at me i know real music I'm just hey, you said real music. He said real music. I'm the mocking record. you. Uh, yeah, Dude, you're trying to save yourself now. I feel like that's too melodic. I, I had the. I feel I like the they, beat, you know, but 
Mm-hmm. Just picture it. Just picture guys, it. guys, everybody pause. I want you to picture this in your head. The swarm is coming at them. And it goes, hey, hey, bye, 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 explosion, bye, bye. <laughs> it's two on the nose. Oh, come on. And sabotage um, isn't? The word sabotage as they're blowing up isn't two on the nose? Come on. <laughs> oh, that, that's just perfect is what it is. Um, or, or, I mean, they maybe they could have rickrolled them. I don't know. Fly to the Bumblebees, the classical piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the class Bumblebees. <laughs> <laughs> Father Fun, what, what song would you play? I, I really love Bye Bye Bye. I, I've been thinking about their stuff. I think that's genius. <laughs> Katy Perry's Firework. Multiple, multiple levels. That's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. Um, it is. It is. It is funny in a meta context for the um, history of this podcast. Uh, it, it would be funny within uh, the, epi- the episode, the movie itself. Yeah. Are there any Taylor Swift songs you would choose, F- Chuck? Finger to... on the Finger on the Trigger by Pedro Bustamante. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> Plug. Cool. All right. Well, those are our thoughts. Shake it off. Come on, shake it off. You, you asked Taylor Swift song. Shake it off. Shake it off. Oh, Taylor Swift. That's 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 good. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It worked. <laughs> Well, those are our thoughts. The new, the new on... Ghostbusters theme. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, that would destroy oh. anything. He wins. Hey, <laughs> no, actually, real answer, real answer, that awful song from the end of Mars Attack, so they use that to blow up all the Mars, Mar, uh, the Martians' brains. It's funny. It's not on Tom Jones? No, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. Some, like, weirdo country it's song. It's like comfort song, yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of, uh, did you guys listen to the Rihanna song for, for Star Trek Beyond? Hammer. Is that what it's called? Sledgehammer? Yeah. When I thought, when I heard what, it was called Sledgehammer, I was like, oh, that 80s song? song? Yeah. <laughs> I wanna be Sledgehammer. That's right. <laughs> well, those are our thoughts on Star Trek Beyond. Uh, good movie. No divinity. People talk. should go see it, especially if you're a Star Trek fan. Support Keep the franchise. Going. We want more yeah. of this stuff. We're going to leave you with the soothing sounds of Bye 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 by NSYNC. <laughs> Cue the music. There we go. I'm going to unsubscribe from our own podcast. (laughs) Watch me, I'll do it.